You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. I do one thing, man. I take data and I find patterns, right? However I can tailor that and use that. People don't realize, I think, how much data is being collected. Like, in your adventures in data, what's the most unusual pattern that you've ever seen that you thought, I did not expect that. I did not see that coming. Well, I mean, this probably doesn't answer your question. I think a little bit more on that, but I always try to break patterns. Always try to break patterns. Like, oh man, I, I'm going to this place every Tuesday, I need to stop. I need to go somewhere else. But that's because of your knowledge that everybody is doing things in right. routine. But that's kind of an interesting, just an exercise in general, like change your routine every day and discover the world. But you know what I find out? I find out that I'm changing that pattern like every third Thursday. Ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, I'm like, oh no, it's another pattern. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a pattern individual. You know I mean? <laughs> so no matter what, you're still like stuck in, in pattern mode. Yeah, I mean, and like everybody it. is. You want to roll? Yeah, I'm rolling. I love it. <laughs> Can we start rolling again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
and being friendly and being a little about. Yeah, a little. Okay. Just kidding. Um, okay, now now it's my phone. Uh, so happy to have one of my good friends, Eddie Ibanez, on the show. Eddie, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Most people will not know who you are, so I'm going to describe. You are a probably the biggest cybersecurity expert slash hacker I know. Uh, I have a technical background myself, but it does not rival yours. You're formally, I will describe it as, uh, how would you describe it? You describe it, what, what you formally have done for the government. Uh, you know, we were, uh, I was part of a team that was uh, contracted to help find patterns. And what's, uh, can you say what sort of patterns? Yeah, uh, the patterns were really just to understand uh, behaviors and um, people who would potentially be a threat to, you know, certain things in the nation. So like, what would be, if you don't mind, my, my, we can, we can move on to the next topic. We'll, we'll move on from topic to topic and it'll all be interesting, but like, what's a pattern that you programmed up that discovered a potential threat to the country? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll scale it back a little bit. Um, there's these things called, um, these methamphetamine labs, right? And they, in consumption of power is a pretty easy one, right? Someone has a meth lab, right? They open up, how do we crack these things, right? Well, peak power consumption for a certain house and in a certain neighborhood, those things like quadruple when you run in a meth lab all night. And I would think that's, I would think that's obvious. Like the utility it, company it would notice that. Well, I mean, and, and swoop in. but it's, that's, that's why like merging of data, right? Helps. Cause then you can, okay, cool. Now I have the, uh, data set from this utility company. Cool. And it, but my goal, the utility company goal is to maximize, you know, like, like uptime and maximize. So they, they're happy with the methamphetamine lab. There. <laughs> yeah. They're making more money. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to go out and say that, but I, I mean, yeah, you're making money. They're not as, they didn't care as much. So how does the, how does um how did you end up with their data? Uh, I mean, a lot of that data on grids, especially, is public, right? So I mean, everything that was done was above board. When you say public, it's not like published in the newspaper, though. Like, mm -hmm. how did you get the data? Uh, you know, there's different ways to get data, and uh, we we use one of them. When you say different ways, is that in quotes or Kuwaiti? Uh, that's in quotes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's in quotes. Uh, which 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 brings to mind though, like you you know, all of these companies, utility companies, uh, banks. Google, you know, social media companies, they all have data that's useful for other things than their business model, than their perceived business model. Um, how much does the government have to try to get the data and how much do these companies essentially offer the data when when there are issues or, or potential problems? It, I mean, it's not like, you know, back in the day, there was a whole idea of censorship where like, oh man, big brother, you're thinking back to Orwell, 80, 1984 and stuff like that. There's like, oh, the government's going to tap in. Dude, these days, I mean, you don't even have to be the government to get people's data, right? All, I mean, like we're volunteering it up, like just so I can download and play a game with my friend for free, or just because I want to know which celebrity I look the most like, right? I'm offering my, my face, which is my password for some certain devices, right? Just to find out, oh hey, I kind of look like you know, like Brad Pitt, which I do. I'm the Hispanic version, right? <laughs> but um, you know, but like that type of stuff, right? I mean, data's being volunteered up, and uh, you know, the the key thing that I tell my children is like, don't. I mean, they're they're young, right? But I still tell one of them, don't put anything on the internet that isn't that you're okay with, like being public, right? But like people don't realize, like you just said. Uh, it seems neat. Oh, I can unlock my phone with my face. That has a benefit, which is that nobody can steal my phone and see my see my data. But you're giving up a valuable piece of data right there is your face. And because how does that work? It's polygon recognition. Yeah. Right. But the assumption is that the phone company is not going to share that with anybody. 
Yeah, or, or the device maker and whatnot, right? But you sharing it when you want to find out, like, like you share it with your social, like Facebook owns your face. Yeah. You know what I mean? They own. Yeah, you constantly get messages like, oh, you might have been tagged in a photo because their facial recognition software is doing it. But now how does the government use this to uh, identify threats, for instance? I don't know how they use it. And I'm not saying they do, mm-hmm. right? I'm saying if anyone wanted to, if, if if anything's publicly available, right? Which like if you can, if your profile is publicly available and that I can search that, I can use that just like I could any other picture for any other type of recognition that I want to save and store. So, so uh, this reminds me, and I've I've described this story before to uh, the people in this room. But I got this email the other day. It, like Google must be doing this experimental program, and I just randomly got selected. But I got this email the other day from Google where they're an- announcing this great new benefit to me. Um, but it but it but it came across as a little bit creepy. So they <laughs> they said. It was February 1st, and they said, uh, here's an email from Google Maps. We thought you might like to reminisce about all the places you've been in January. And they showed me a calendar. First off, they showed me a map, and there's red dots in every single place I've been in January. <laughs> and then they show me a calendar, and I click on every single day. And like January 2nd, 7 10 a.m., leaves home, goes to Irving Farm Coffee, 400, walks 450 feet, uh, 10, 10 a.m. goes back right. home. 2, 10 p.m. goes to stand-up New York. 5, 10 p.m. goes home. So they, they knew every single location I've been in for the every minute. Like there was not a single minute that they missed for the entire month. I checked every day. And there was more in there too, which I'll describe in a second. But they they obviously think this is a benefit and a feature. But my first reaction is, and I think most people's reaction would be, is that's a little creepy. Well, it's, I mean you volunteered that data up, man. Like somewhere you said like, hey, I like using Google Maps and like, cause I need to go to point A to point B. But I don't know, like when I, I think my, I think the normal inclination is, oh, I'm gonna search something on Google Maps. I don't necessarily think that they're just keeping track of that for me. I mean, I guess it's an obvious thing to think, but I don't think that. And then the other thing is they knew what my home was. I only tell Uber that. So Uber and Google must be sharing all the data. Or, or they're saying, hey, this guy goes here. And his time zone is EST, and he's here from ten to five AM, and you know, like over eighty percent of nights or sixty percent of nights. So we're gonna guess that that's home. Ah, I see. And uh, then the other thing they did was, which was also creepy, but in a different way, is they told told me other pieces of interesting data, like, oh, you've walked ten miles in the month of January. And I was saying this actually on front of a stage. And I was acting like, you know, not that I'm bragging too much that I walk so much, <laughs> but then when I broke it down, 10 miles for the month of January, it's like I walked only 300 feet a day. <laughs> you know, like I'm basically a lazy sack of shit, you know, and and that's what Google was telling me. And it's almost In like- nicer terms. <laughs> it's almost nicer like- Nicer keywords, gonna, they told you that. It's almost like they were going to bribe me. Like if you don't, <laughs> if you don't send us a thousand dollars, we're going to put this on the front page of Google, or we're going to email this to all your friends. Um, but, but yeah, all our people don't realize, I think how much data is being collected. Like in your adventures in data, what's sort of the odder pieces of data you've seen collected about people? Uh, odder pieces of data that I've seen collected about people. I mean, like, uh, I, we kind of joked about this earlier at lunch. Like there was a, uh, when we were doing a marketing campaign for a company, uh, and it was an email send, right? There was a, it was a mail product, right? And and so we're tardy men and like in their time zones, right? There's something like around like it was like three thirty, it like to three forty five to four, right? That like 
there's a clear segment that it just would open, right, the response rate, right, and they open, and they would stay on it for a while, right, and the clicks rates were great. And then um, uh, we you know we, then we sent out a survey, right, to see see what's going on, and like you know some guys lied, but like I guess it's I, I don't know if this is true, like, but for that area, right, I mean that's when guys went to the restroom. Between three thirty and three forty five, yeah, and they're yeah. taking their phone and they're on the toilet yeah. and they're looking and they're responding to yeah, yeah, they're, they're opening up and they're responding to the product, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean so that's that, so that's interesting. And you know, um, we were talking about uh, another time how to hack a home and you could determine if someone's cheating. Yeah, and and so I I I just want to throw this at you. Uh, this is not a computer hacking technique, but here's how I can tell in a large location if people are cheating. So let's say you're in Grand Central, um, the big train station in New York City. If if it's 5 p.m. and I see two people kissing, but then going to different trains, I assume they're cheating. Because otherwise, <laughs> because they've, they've left work and they're on their way home, but they're kissing romantically, then why are they going home on separate trains? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, they could be dating. They could be dating, but then why not go on a date? Or why, you know? Yeah. Like why not? Oh, kind of, uh, whose house are we sleeping over tonight? If we're <laughs> kind of at that romantic level. So anyway, that's my theory. But, but but for let's say now we're going deeper. If you were to basically hack a home, a what does that mean? Like, can you? Is there thing? Is there ways to hack Alexa? Would you hack a, a laundry machine? Would you hack Nest? Would you hack you know the, the thermometer? Would you hack a coffee maker? Yeah, and like it goes back. To, I'd always hack the, the like the router. Right, uh, see their packet streams, what's going through. So just to explain, the router. Like when, when, if I if I'm watching a streaming video on my TV screen, it's getting the internet not straight from the internet, but there's uh, something in between the internet and the TV or the computer, which is called a router. Every home has a router in right. it, like in that little closet where all the buttons are. Yeah, you don't it, look at until unless it breaks. Like the Verizon down. installs it, you're just like, thank God they installed it, right. and you forget about it. Right. And so why is a router hackable as opposed to some of these other things? Because a lot of them are standard, right? Uh, a lot of people don't update them, right? Or like put, what, like put out, look at how much security you put on a cellular device, right? Or like your computer, how much security is on your router. You just trust someone, right? But all your information is being flowed through it. Right, Every, every single, every, everything all I'm your doing emails, home, all my email, like all my packets are going through that one little piece of plastic metal and silicon. And there are are there standard ways to a figure out what's the router for XYZ house and then reassembling those packets uh, into with the advent of now like like you said like Time Warner and these people yeah because they like to buy standardized equipment right it was actually a little bit harder when you know you're buying your own you had to set up your own like you're buying your own Linksys you go to Best Buy I mean, but now like it, they're becoming pretty standard right and that's kind of like part of the issue is this technology is standard right like most of the companies out there are like are on cisco and whatnot right so if you think about it if everything's standard and there's one hole right and it's not a hole for everyone right but if there's a hole and like and you know they haven't updated it they're a router and forever uh then yeah you can get in and and how would you get in well there's a few different methods um, but let's just say, I, let's just say I was able to uh, expose a um, expose something that let me into their router, right? And then I'm getting the packet streams, and then to find out if someone's cheating, right? And to get in there and to see that, right? Think about, uh, I mean, do you do you have one of these like home alarm systems? No, no. But I, I imagine a lot of people do, 
right? Yeah. And what's cool about that type of stuff is think of, think of what you're giving up just to secure your home, right? I'm giving up how often I go in my living room, right? With the sensors, right? I'm giving up uh, when I come in, when I come out, when my garage door opens, when my garage door closes. So the living room one is because when I go in the living room, I might change the temperature? Yeah, you may, t no, the sensor hits, right? Because mm. the sensor is like a, I mean, that, that thing knows when you're in the room, right? Because it's alarms on, right? So it knows that type of stuff, right? So let's say, um, uh, let's say I never go into, uh, I don't know, like, let's say my, you know, let's say the map pattern, like let's think of someone's map, like they know your home because you're here, right? Let's say they're, they, and they know when you're at work too, right? Because there's another place I go to from like nine to five, right? So let's say on a frequency, I'm coming home, right? And then so garage door opens at like, I don't know, I'm making this up, James, right? But like garage door opens at noon or like 12.15 or 1.15, right? Comes in, right? And then like, uh, let's say immediately bedroom gets used, right? Right, bedroom gets used 30, 35 minutes, right? And I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I'm using this example to like make a picture in people's minds, right? And then immediately leaves garage, like, you know, garage door opens back up, out. Could be grabbing stuff. Could just be picking something up, right? Uh, and that happens in a repeated pattern, right? And then, you, you know, we're people, we're creatures of habit, right? So if you're doing, and when you find nefarious individuals, when they find, when they find a way in a pattern that has worked, they'll usually stick to that. When they find a way in, they usually keep going that way. And they usually don't randomize the way in. Like, oh, this is safe. I'm going to keep doing this, right? So you think of that. If you're, I'm not saying that cheating is nefarious. It's your own moral obligation or anything like that, right? Um, so that's one way. And, and so in that case, are you more interested in, getting access to the data of the home security company or going directly into home security, hacking the home? Well, uh, home security company, right? If like, I don't know if you remember, like if you bought those cheap, I'm not knocking Chinese, everything's Chinese, right? The, the, these days, right? But you buy these cheap Chinese cameras, right? They, had, they left a port open, right? And then if uh, that port leads me access to hit it, right? So they left the port open. Anyone who had this cheap Chinese camera, right? You could like view their camera. So, so just to just to describe, so basically every device on the internet you could think of as a list of ports, and computers talk to each other through the internet, one port talking to another. So, so the web HTTP that's like one computer talking to port eighty of another computer. SMTP had its own port, and like let's say back in the nineties, everything was open. Yeah. Nobody was secure, but now everything's pretty secure. It is. But you're saying like, for instance, every you're trying now and then to save a buck, right? You're trying to save a buck and like, I want, oh man, I'm gonna save a hundred bucks on that camera. I'm gonna buy it on Alipay or something like that. And, but then how would you know who, how would you know whose camera was who? Like, or would you just You necessarily scan? wouldn't, but like if I knew, well, I mean, you kind of would because you'd have to have their IP address, right? If I had your IP in the port. Of that camera though, not of the home. Correct. Right, Correct. so- well, could you just you could you would know the block of IP addresses for let's say all the cameras, and so you could scan down all the cameras as an example. You could. It's not an easy job. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's why a lot of these things, uh, when you're, uh, are best to be just be done like sometimes the old school way, right? You go in, you leave a trace, you get out, and then you just make sure like the batteries. The, the hardest thing is to make sure the batteries and those things are get updated. Oh, what do you mean? You go in, leave leave a trace. Uh, you go in and leave a device. Oh man, I'm talking about something else. Uh, like you know, like if I if you were, you would go in and leave a device uh, that, like, let's say, let's say if you were going to bug a room, 
right? Yeah. You'd go in and you'd leave a bug in there, right? And the hardest thing about like leaving a bug, right, is them finding it or switching the batteries out. That's like the yeah. biggest problem. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious what led to the story of like, I'll figure out <laughs> something different. We won't go down there. Um, so what's, uh, what's, what's other... What's other things that you've been involved in where there were results from you doing things with data? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, in like nerdy ways, right? Some of the things we've uh, been able to do. Um, well, we've helped frequent flyer programs grow. And that's really just, and that's, that stuff's awesome because you're giving the right, you're taking the right product and finding the right person and most times giving them the right price for that product, right? So that's cool because then you're kind of like helping the business but you're helping an individual who wants to consume, and you're just kind of matching. Because you're because you're using what are you what are you saying? You're saying this person is, at this time is likely to respond to this offer using frequent flyers, right? So or or like hey, people in, so uh, people who work and we kind of talked about this, so I'm going to keep on it. People who work in at a certain company or there are a certain level of a certain company in a certain uh, area code. So let's say people in, I don't know, like Las Vegas is probably a bad example. People in Las Vegas who are at a VP level uh, tend to fly a lot, right? Those are the people you want to hit for business class. And they would, business class, you, you get more rewards and points. You get to skip the line, all that type of stuff. So to get them in the program's free, right? So hit them and market them so that way they know, hey, you're missing out on all these benefits. And how would you find the data of this list of Las Vegas high rollers? Uh, you could, anything that's publicly available. First, I would understand from the current data I have, hey, it seems like this segment is real, like something about Vegas business people, right? Uh, and then hit what's publicly available. Like uh, there's like business is kind of easy because when you give your stuff to corporate exchange, somehow it gets out, right? Through Spokio or if you've left a, uh, a like your name on a PR article, you know, like, you know, James Aldrich, VP of X, right? Contact information. But how would you know I was in Las Vegas at some point? Uh, I'd map back. Like, I was so use LinkedIn for example. Oh, cool. He works for X, which is headquartered in Vegas. It's yeah. a, you wouldn't know. You, some a lot of cases, eighty percent is what you need to know. Uh, oh, he's got an eighty percent shot to be a match. So, so, um, oh, can we talk about the sabermetric stuff? Oh, sure. Yeah, so, so. Kind of, you have a Super Bowl ring, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have and, it on you? No, no, I don't. Uh, but we, we, that stuff's fun, man. I love helping. So like football, like, so we talk about- This theory. is like your passion project. Yeah, this, you don't even like, no, we you do this it. for fun. Yeah, we do this one for fun, right? And in football, it's much different sports than baseball, right? Because in baseball, you have a one-to-one -one relationship with the pitcher and a, and a hitter, right? And that relationship counts. And what else counts is my on-base percentage. But this one little relationship we have right here gets me on base. Now I need another good relationship, right? And then I push, right? And then push all the way till they get to home, right? So that's why that on base thing counts. Football, man. I have like 11 guys against another 11 guys, right? Then I'm not just hitting. I have other means of execution, right? I can pass. I can run. I can sneak. Uh, and so there's a, it's a lot Different. Also, you can play a huge defensive game. Yeah. And just yeah. and forget about and offense. That's on the other side, right? Yeah. I'm just talking offense, right? Yeah. And defense. Is, and then it, there's different matchups, right? So if this guy's faster than me, right, does that does that mean how much separation am I going to get from him? So, uh, so what we've been trying to do is we've really been calculating two things, right? One, 
how much is a player worth and what's the optimal team? If you could choose like all different sizes, right? Uh, what's an optimal team? And then once you have the optimal team, what's the optimal group of people? And if you think about the old finance things, it's just, I'm trying to cluster, like if you think of stocks and creating a portfolio, I'm creating a portfolio of players and I'm just trying to say, hey, who gives me the best risk adjusted return to win, right? Now you're gonna have some stocks, right? Who are like big bets and if they win, you win big. But then, but you may you have a higher chance of losing. Or so you look for expected value, like yeah, in the stock sense. Exactly right. And you want to be in that that mid mid to high range, mm. right? Still safe. And then that could be a collection of like this wide receiver, this quarterback, this running back, this defensive end. This is the this is a, a good cluster where we think we could win. And then that changes by the team I I face too. That cluster may change. And then. Um, so given that you already, given that a team has already picked their players, right, and you're working with the players they have, given the team and the lineup that the team is putting against and that they're playing against, you can you use software or your particular software Math, yeah. to figure out what's the highest risk risk adjusted return that you could put out on the field. Right. So exactly. But then yes, but then there's another facet of fatigue that really happens in football, right? With exertion. So then I have to, that bundle of players changes live based off also their fatigue, right? So this, uh, so they have these RFID chips, right? It's provided by Zebra Technologies. And then- um, They put them on the shoulders yeah, and the helmet? On, yeah, uh, they put them on the shoulders, right? I, I don't know about the helmet. Uh, and then I believe they do. Right, and I think this past year there may have been one on the ball, and then you can track where they go and where they move and how much they've exerted. Right, so if, like think about like I'll put myself on the spot. Right, if I run like 15 yards straight, I'm not as good in performance as if you just got me like warm, just not running around because we're like, <gasps> right, I'm gonna be tired. Right, same thing with an athlete. Right, they run 80 yards right straight and have gotten two hits. They may have, they may be a little more tired, may have more fatigue. Right, I walk up the stairs. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that, right? So then, and, and then like football's cool because uh, like it's just starting to change. But like, if you think about baseball, like what's one of the most important uh, positions in baseball? Right? Pitcher, right? Yeah. They switch out pitchers based off different things, right? In football, you never, you don't really switch out the quarterback. But if you had a quarterback who's always converting on third down, even if he's not your starter, right? I mean, I like. I mean, that's one interesting play. And I mean, look, I'm not a, I'm not the football guru, but I'm just looking at math. And math would say, right, for certain teams, that you may want to just alternate quarterbacks given scenarios. Quarterbacks like in, in between, like a series in between. What do you call it? Like when you're going from first down to fourth down, like one. That's a down. Yeah, one set of downs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you might uh, switch out quarterbacks. Yeah. Mid play, mid set of downs. Yeah. Mid down. Yeah. Um. What's another type of play? You might get a, a wide receiver out if a, new, if a new defensive person is up against him and you see that this guy's fatigued. Yeah, or you may call a different play, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know, like, and that's another variable, like of where you're at on, on the field, given what time, like what the score is, uh, given the weather, given what, how much time's left in the game. So let's say, let's say it's fourth down and- Fourth down, you should go for it. You always, Not let's say you're 20 yards away. Like over 73% of the time it wins, right? And that's better than a coin toss. And then can you call, given certain scenarios, can you call one play versus another? Let's say you're fourth and five. Where, you where five am I yards. on the field? Hmm? Where am I on the field? 20 yards. 20, um, uh, all right, so I'm posing 20. And you're going for the touchdown. Going for the touchdown. 
uh, it depends on my team, my stack, right? But uh, like, if I were to take team stacks away, if you just look at the high level summary, right? You should go for it. And uh, so, okay, you did this for, can you say the team? Uh, right now we are working with a, a different team, right? Which is the uh, Miami Dolphins. All right, but a prior team has won the Super Bowl. Yes. And gave you a ring to yes. con- uh, honor you for your efforts. Um, Correct. And, and it seems like there's a business there where so many people are into like fantasy football teams. You could help people make, you could be a service where you could help people make very contradictory or unobvious picks for their fantasy football teams. People would want to subscribe to that service. Absolutely. I mean, I want to do it for real football teams too, right? But uh, yeah, I think people could pay. This is just really about winning, man. Wanna, and, what, and what about, um, I know, because for you as a passion project, I'm, I'm where I want to riff on all the business plans. <laughs> uh, you can also do a, um, uh, what do you call it, a booking service. So you can basically, if if the Las Vegas book is saying, uh, these guys are going to win over, you know, six to five chance, that's the line, that's the betting line. Right. You could say, you can actually look for arbitrages. Actually, given that this is the weather and given that these are the lineups of the two teams starting, um, it's really more like, you know, seven to four. What I would find, you're right. And what I find interesting is more like, I would rather give people the opportunity to bet by down. Mm. Right? But you can do that right in Las Vegas. Oh, can you? I, I, I don't know. So. I don't bet. I don't know either for sure, but Steve, can you bet by down? Yeah. Betting is legalized now. Yeah, it's legal. You can oh. do all sorts of prop bets. Oh, so you can, so you can bet like, Hey, he's going to pass it. Yeah. They have a million different kinds of prop bets at the Super oh, Bowl. You can do the. This quarterback's going to throw a hundred yards. Saying, yeah, who'd be the MVP? There's a million bets like that, but yes. Oh, that's awesome. So MVPs for the game is an interesting one. If you can bet on that, because you know, in the beginning of every game, that they're going to throw who the highest risk-adjusted return player is. Well, that on the or, field. or you know who they're opposing to. You know they're going to pass more, right? And who are they going to pass to, right? Other uh, Edelman's. It's Edelman or Gronk, right? And then. Um, yeah, you're gonna, yeah, that one's that was probably easy. Degenerates are out there. Because there, also, there are hedge funds that do horse betting based on similar type of things, but then it's just the, 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 the factors are just who's the horse, who are, all the, who are all the horses, who's the jockey, and what are the conditions of the track. So it's not that many factors. But football, like you say, there's many more complicated factors. It seems like you could set up a hedge fund based on just this style of betting. Yeah, if that market's out there, I didn't know. So could, can you even bet on by pitch? Like, is this going to be a strike? This is going to be a hit? Oh, wow. Again, probably. I mean, I mean man. I've that, seen the board. That'd I don't be know, awesome. I don't know sports, but I've seen the board for football, and it's, like, amazing the number of possible bets you can make on every play. Because I would like to – I think it would be cool if I could say – if I'm watching a baseball game, right? Because, I mean, there's a lot of baseball games, right? so I don't watch as many of them. But I would, I would love to say, like, all right, cool, I'm going to put a bet out there. I'm going to bet 20 bucks that um, this, he's going to strike. This could be a strike. And I'd love for someone to just take that bet in real time. Yeah, and you're talking... Tough one, right? Because the players can control it more readily, right? Strategically. But he'll know he can bet strategically. The thing is, using the data, he knows when strategically they're going to make that decision. Right. So, so, but... I think it'd be fun. What's more interesting to me, though, you're you're talking at just straight 50-50, like the line being 50-50. But you can also arb when you're likely to lose, but the bet is still good. And if you're making like hundreds of bets like that, even if you're likely to yeah, lose, you can come the, up yeah, if, if the odds are against you, but you know that the, the the actual line in Vegas is different than your odds, you could bet, you could arbitrage, you could bet against the line in Vegas, and and overall, over hundreds or thousands of bets, you'll come out a winner. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's basically how like stock markets. That's yeah, it. It's pretty much like puts. Right? That's, so, that's, that's hedging. Yeah, that's how. If you were doing data, what's the what are, what are the options that are most mispriced compared to what Wall Street thinks the value should be? So, um, all this. So, what other things are happening? What's the country doing with data right now? <laughs> Uh, it feels like the country's making apps with data. <laughs> right, that's what I feel like the country's doing. What do you, what do you mean? Everybody, I mean, I feel like as, as a country, we're just, uh, look, I like physics, man. And I feel like in, 19, in the 1930s, the best and brightest minds were solving like, like physics problems. And, and now they're making flashlights that yeah, you have access now, to the video Yeah, the now they're making apps. You know what I mean? It's, um, not to say that that's not cool. But like, what what kind of apps is the government making like a flashlight app and and pretending to be a company and then getting popular on iTunes? No, I think the government's I think the government's just serving the people correctly and they're just creating apps to make the DMV better and stuff like that. What do you mean to make what better? DMV, stuff like that. The government's just helping out. And so, how do you think like like you know all the data that or all the all the news that suggests that the Russians maybe manipulated data uh we had a podcast recently um about how russians manipulated data on facebook do you think the u.s is getting a little bit more aggressive in other countries doing what other countries might have done to us um i wouldn't i don't know but i would say that it's probably turning more uh instead of defensive right i bet they're getting more offensive how would we get more offensive uh I mean, there's so you can say pass if you if you. If no, you no, 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 no. I mean, like, uh, there's. I mean, like, a lot of people have been talking about electrical grids, uh-huh. right? A lot of people have been. I mean, look, that's the way war sh- should go. If it's like no killing, no mass genocides, just hack each other, right? So, I mean, that could cause way more distress. Like, if you pull down like Wall Street for a day or something like that, right? And and but those are like Wall Street. I feel is a case where security. Like every bank, every exchange. Yeah, those guys are safe. Yeah, out the wazoo. But like electric grids in other countries, like third world countries, may not be right because <laughs> they still might have all their all the same weaknesses that were around in the nineties or seventies. Yeah. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side-by-side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, 
where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You know, like, what's, what's crazy? Computer system isn't... This is an interesting fact I learned the other day. You know, the body of an airplane is like 80 years lifetime or something like that. I, know, how, I had no idea. How many, how many, how old are most airplanes? I don't know. I mean, the, I'm like, you're telling me the life. I was talking to a pilot. I'm walking on. I'm like, oh man, cool hell. He's like, oh man, these things a lifetime, 70, 80 years. I'm like, that's not cool. <laughs> I mean, maybe well, it's cool. It, he was saying it was cool. Like, oh, it lasts forever. I'm like, ah, I, mean, I, wonder, I mean, they refab those things. It's probably not. But like, bridges though, I think the lifetime of a bridge is like 50 or 60 years. And most of them are now 70 years old. So bridges are in trouble. 
so if you think of this, I, I, like that's infrastructure, right? That, and I've, I've heard also like water pipes that are underground. Like I guess yeah. those things haven't been touched in a long time. Yeah. So what uh, what other stuff do you personally like to use big data for? Like, so football is a fascinating one. And it's interesting that that was sort of wide open. So the level of, comp so what's a couple of factors there. Baseball has been used for, let's say 20 years. Right. But uh, the, the data, because the factors are smaller. Like you say, there's a pitcher, there's a hitter, uh, on base percentage, yeah, on base percentage, um, but football a lot more, like maybe ten x the a, complexity. It's a team sport. Mm. Like I mean, baseball is a team sport, but football is like a team, like play by play sport. And what other what other areas interest you in terms of using data that are unobvious to people? Uh, I think uh, oceanic data. Right. So uh, we've helped out a, a great uh, company called OSearch. And uh, they, and if you've seen Shark Week, right? Speaking of sharks that we were talking about earlier. So, uh, you know, Chris and those guys, they tag the sharks, right? They're, the, they're that big boat that goes out and tags them, right? And we've helped them in developing their shark tracker. And then, so if you go to osearch.org, you can track these sharks and ping, right? We've helped them when we developed that. Uh, and it, that's fun because, like, you get a ton of data back. You get, like, uh, depths, Right, you get the oxygen levels. There's so much. Like, and I look, do I know what it's used for? No, but what's interesting, what I, why I like about it is like, I don't really know a lot about. Like when I talk to oceanic experts, I mean, they tell like they all say the same thing, but it's never really like deep, deep, deep. Like I mean, I feel like there isn't uh, as as to the future of the ocean. Like they tell me all about it now, but like as to the future of the ocean, like oh, well, who knows? Climate change, Mike. It's always like a high level answer. And then, so I'm just wondering, like, you know, we have this race to the moon and like life on Mars and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I go a little more old school Jacques Cousteau and like, what about life under water? And you think, you think, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking? I don't know. I, I mean, like, I, I really want to understand what's down there and seeing if this data can, like, you know, the first FCC is this data, you can track like tuna patterns and stuff like that. Cause like, you know, sharks go or to eat and like, you can like, like help like understand like uh how much fish we'll have and stuff like, like the, the basics right but uh i don't know i just wonder if there's a way to live down there that's easier to adapt than we may think like than living in a bubble oh, that's interesting i never thought of that um what about let's say uh you know natural resources like gold or oil um in what ways do you think Data obviously data is being used to identify spots where there might be some natural resource, but do you think people aren't using it as well as they could, or it could be better? Uh, I think it could be better. I think when it comes to energy, right? I think that goes back to like you know the 1930s when people were like worried about that a lot. Like I think, and I think they still are. Uh, you can understand consumption patterns and like where to distribute and how to find. They use data a lot to understand like where. Where like you know geothermal stuff, like understand like where to put the drill and stuff like that. I think understanding more on a molecular level, uh, gravity. What right? do you mean? So I mean, look, yeah, this look at that. There's energy holding this damn table, right? There's energy holding that light thing, right? There's energy holding this stuff together, right? If you think about an atom, right? What do I have? I think spinning. Right. If I could just take the force of that thing spinning, right, and the, its multiplying effect, right, I think there may be something there. And like, I don't know enough, right? And, I, and I've been researching this on the side, like how to harness this. You need like these super magnets to harness like that type of energy. But if you think of the splitting of the atom, you've heard of that, yeah, right. Compress the atom, splits, and it makes this like exothermic reaction, which like is 
awesome energy, right? But it's also very nasty because it's inefficient, right? <laughs> right? But like that same, I'm like, what if I just like cool it off a little bit, right? And then you have a cold fusion talk. But what if, if I was just to understand the pattern, right? And the data and like how to take this uh, energy, which I think is gravity, that's holding, that's moving these subatomic particles together, right? That there's, there might be enough energy that's holding this table together to like light up a street. Is it is it gravity though at that level? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's like there's they, that. They say charge. So there's a guy named Paul Dirac, right? Yeah. yeah Paul Dirac was a man. And uh, he's, like I said, I always go back to 1933 because that's when he won the Nobel Prize, right? I love that dude, right? Uh, him and he shared it with this guy named Schrodinger. And then um, he came up with, uh, you know, like this theory of antimatter. Right, which you know they play around in the movies that Star Trek yeah. movie antimatter kills everything, right? But like there's these charges and these effects, right? And that's what really is moving stuff: charge and effect, charge and effect. But like, I mean, look at like I just think of like in a simplistic level, right? You take those two butt ends of a magnet, and you know what I mean? They don't. There's something there, right? Now there's a magnetic bond. That's why I think it goes back to magnets, and that's what keeps some. There's some thing that keeps us at the center of our little universe. I think it all deals with this gravity and I just don't I don't have the data to understand it. How would you get data for that? Man, dude. If you if you could answer that, dude, like I'd run with you. So so given your background, you've done so many things, things that we haven't even talked about on this podcast with with data on every level from personal to professional to countrywide. Right. Um how would someone kind of this 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 seems like a valuable area to get comfortable with both as a user, a consumer, and even a, for a career. Like how would someone kind of go about training themselves to become a data expert? Oh, sure. Because you can't learn it in school because they're, they're already behind so, in school. If, I mean, like, man, everything's online these days, right? I'd go ahead and find some, like we talked about, uh, I'd find something I'm passionate in that's data related, right? So whether it's stocks, gambling, something, get something that's going to hook your time. Right. So once my time's hooked, then I would go ahead and like MIT has a great open courseware that I just, I mean, I just look at that stuff for fun, dude. That's, it's just awesome. Right. There's basic elements of math you want to learn, but if you're just data crunching in the beginning, right. Um, like start out with like some, start out with some project you have and find out how the data is formatted. Right. And then go research that database and then learn about it, like, and then like, just play with it, like, query a bit, and like, hey, this is how I return this, this is how I return this. So, so like, for instance, there's all this data from all these sources, and let's say you're trying to find back to to the beginning of what you said, you're trying to find a criminal or someone who's potentially a criminal or someone who's potentially yep. a terrorist or some other kind of threat. How would you start thinking about what data do I need, and then how do I put it together in such a way that I find something? statistically significant enough where I could point a finger and I say, there's something no good happening here? It's a good question because uh, there's two, people do it two ways. One, they take all the data and then they boil it to try to find the pattern, right? I always tell people, create the model as if you had perfect data, right? And then, because that gets you to think about like what's out there and then the math involved of like, okay, all right, so what do we have? If I understood, uh, I needed a, I need a little bit of data to understand like all right cool what's a pattern right but then all right people who probably are nefarious activity they may move around a lot they may switch their phones a lot right so I may see a ton of different phone numbers turning right okay cool I do that then all right now what else do I need like so I take that I need location right to understand if they're moving a lot are they in places that we deem 
bad, right? Okay, cool, got geolocation. Or are they moving from good to bad? Yeah, or good to bad, right? Or, or you know, like the best ones move from good to good. Right. <laughs> right? You just don't know it. Uh, understanding that pattern and then taking that and then seeing if who they're calling, right? Like, are they calling other people in certain frequencies? Like, uh, or are they... Like are there or if they're if you're trying to fake something, you're not really putting that much into it. You're making a call and hanging up that type of stuff. So so doesn't the like agencies like the NSA already do that? So they're already tracking yeah, like yeah, yeah, phone. Yeah, imagine, data imagine trees. they do everything. That's what I do, right? Mm -hmm. But if you got nothing to hide, then it doesn't matter. That's what people always say. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think like that's if true. I have nothing to hide, I still am I do I any need to be worried about like, you know, Google or Facebook or the government kind of still taking advantage of the information somehow to, to manipulate my opinion or uh, influence my buying habits. I think I think you always need to be worried about that, right? You need like you need to have, be your own data police. Do you think Do you think um, Google might be more in cahoots with the government than we think? No. Like they're like the government has to make a request, and then Google decides whether or not to abide by that request. Uh, I, I, by law, they have to on certain requests. By law, okay. I'll, say, I'll, I'll law. put that in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> by law, they have to. And uh, what, uh, you know what? Someone told me this, and I don't know if it's true. Just find out. I don't know if it's true. Uh, maybe research if you care. I'd love to know. Uh, who were some of the big funders in the early days of Google, and then where those guys got their money from? Well, you look at like a, a, the CIA's um, venture arm, InQtel, they funded Palantir. How much does Palantir, and Palantir, of course, their biggest clients are banks, but they're funded by, and they look at all the bank transactions to see who might be interesting. All the money. Yeah. So, so, so how much does the government kind of check out bank transactions to see what funny things could be happening? Uh, yeah. That, that's, I'd follow the money, I, but I think this... Uh, Whatever, if anything's done, it's probably. I always think it's been done in the best interest of the people. Yeah, but then let's let's look at the reverse. Obviously, every corporation in America is being attacked. How much do you think we're infiltrated by bad actors in this operation? All time. Like All let, time. let's say the average company, like Procter and Gamble. Would you say there's like bot armies infested in in every computer? On I would Procter say there are people attacking them for sure. Constantly. Constantly. All day, and they know it too. And and how much, like, what would you do? Like, well, you would do what? If you were trying to hack into a Procter & Gamble, what would you do? I'd just take their data. You know what I mean? I'd just do a, a, a swipe and just... How would you do that? Uh, I, you know, there's, probably, there's a lot you can learn off of what they give out on their website. Like, really? like, like a ton of stuff, right? I mean, hey, look, anything you search for on your website that you see is information that's being passed through you, right? And it, if you're sign-in password, cool, it's encrypted. Not everybody can see that response, right? But anything that's out there that's public, like think about your Facebook account, right? If I can search for it and look at it publicly, dude, the world's got it. Eddie can scrape it. Eddie probably already has it. So given that, like, here's another idea for you. You should set up a hedge fund where you, you given someone's Facebook, someone's degree, someone's grades, you could place bets on their future income, meaning you could exchange with them. You could say to them, hey, I'll give you $100,000 now you have zero in the bank. I'll pay off all your student loans if I have ten percent of all your future income. Yeah, you can that, make bets that, like that. that and you could use great bet. You could use statistics and AI to understand. Like, hey, cool, art history major, 
uh, all right. Uh, I don't know, someone going to dental school from this. Yeah, absolutely. And then you go get their Facebook, like this is the type of Facebook. Yeah, and you'd also understand like maybe like that graduating school, like I, I, there's like South Dakota when they were having that shell boom. I guess those kids were making like a buck 50 coming out of school just because there was so much demand right there. Right. right. There's a different market influence. You take. So, so it's interesting. Like I, I would every, bet on kids for sure. Yeah, that's it, that. And I think the football hedge fund betting, and I think uh, a service where you give people like fantasy football picks, yeah. you know, given their teams or the teams in their league or whatever. It seems like there's so many businesses that are like out there now that one can start using using data, N not and and ethical ones, not the other stuff like. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, not yeah. just the hacking kind of stuff. I, you know what? I would almost take bets on like I mean like cybersecurity insurance is probably something I'd like to offer. Oh uh, yeah, what's that? Tell me. Uh, it's, I mean, like, hey, cool. Let's say you had a product or something like that, or I can even just guess on you. If you get hacked, we'll insure you up to this. But then, uh, does that give me any incentive to be less careful about my security? I don't know. Are you any less incentive in your accident insurance? No, but that affects my physical health. Yeah, I mean, this affects your credit score. Right? Yeah, Which, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, that's an interesting one. What other kinds of insurance? Insurance is great because just math. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I'm like, there's no hard asset except for money. So like, if you have a group, like if I know nine, like I like, if I know that I'm gonna bet, like your your life. You know what I mean? Life insurance is awesome. Oh, well, you know what? You know what? Here's an idea. Tell me. Given that you know so much about the football stats for each team, and given football teams make estimates on how much they're gonna fill stadiums and sell advertising against their shows, obviously the better the team does the more likely they are to fill out stadiums and sell advertising and, and charge higher for the advertising. You could sell football teams insurance based on their estimates versus your estimates of how much money they're going to make based on how well they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of, it was funny, a lot of those teams sell out. No matter what. Yeah. I mean, even if they're not full, like the tickets are sold. But I wonder about the advertising too. Yeah, true. And merchandise, stuff like that. Well, I'm mean, kind of thinking about like we we're talking about like kids like that too, right? Like if you're coming out of a law degree and you think you're gonna make a buck eighty, right? You could take out insurance, right? And uh, we have a product and it's EIC, and then uh, you, you take a bet, like no, you know what? I think I'm gonna cover you from that you're gonna make one sixty. But you come out and like let's say your job market sucks or you can't find a job and you end up making eighty. You know we cover the spread. How much do you charge for that? Uh, it's a premium that's built in. I, I believe it's roughly like five percent of the overall. So like 5% of- Yeah, but it gets wrapped into your loan. I see. It gets wrapped into your student loan. Uh, that, that's interesting. So you're in that business right now. What other kinds of, you do lots of things. So what other kinds of business? No, I, I do one thing, man. I take data and I find patterns, right? However, however I can tailor that and use that. Yeah, uh, we try to. So final thing, what's the most unusual pattern that you've ever seen that you thought, I did not expect that. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Or what's the what's the most unusual type of pattern you you did not see coming? Well, I mean, I don't know. This probably doesn't answer your question. I think a little bit more on that. But I always try to break patterns. Always try to break patterns. Like, oh man, I, uh, I'm going to this place every Tuesday. I need to stop. I need to go. I need to go somewhere else. But that's because of your knowledge of of that everybody is doing things in right. a routine. But then, what? but that's kind of an interesting way of just an exercise in general, like. Change your routine every day and discover the world. But you know what I find out? I find out that I'm changing that pattern like every third Thursday. 
Ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, I'm like, oh no, it's another pet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a pattern individual. You right, know what so, I mean? so no matter what, you're still like stuck in, in pattern mode. Yeah, I mean, and like, everybody uh, is. Yeah, and then look, it was a, you think about the rabbit hole and you just get like schizophrenic after a little. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what what else what else have you discovered? Like you obviously uh, football is your passion. What if your what if elections were your passion? If elections were my passion, what if I, I wanted to win for Congress? What what should I do? Uh, be a good <laughs> be a good politician, right? Um, but that but that's rare. Okay, sure. If you wanted to, let's say, if you wanted not to win Congress, you wanted to manipulate or something like that, like Manchurian candidate style, you'd probably go ahead and understand which demographic you need to hit, which you already don't have under control, right? So who you need to make off the spread. Once you get that information, right? And you just look at the demographic. Luckily, you're bound by who you're, is allowed to vote for you, right? Given that election. So now I take that and find those people on the net who are giving up publicly public information, right? So people within the you know lat longs of this certain polygon of area in which constituents can vote for you. And after that, I'd go ahead and hit their public profiles, public profiles that are close or similar to those types of people. And you know, you could say like, hey, let's say in like, I don't know, you live close to the Gulf or something like that. And you wanted to, uh, a lot of people like, let's say a big segment of users, um, that you found like, like Blackfish, Love SeaWorld, um, subscribe to Animal Planet or something like that, right? And it's in their likes and their public profiles. Like, oh, I like this. These are my favorite movies. Like, I don't know, some free willy and all that type of stuff. Uh, you know, you and that was a big enough group or cluster to switch a vote. You know what I mean? And they, you know, they may not agree with some of your other policies, but then you'd market them, right? Uh, versus a lot of the uh, advertising uh, platforms that are out there. And advertisement, that's kind of like, oh, hey, I'm all about, I'm saving the ocean. And here's my- You just bombard them with like, I'm the save the ocean candidate. Yeah. And no one else is seeing that. Yeah, no one else is doing that, right? Well, I'm, I'm not gonna say that's what I would do, but like, and you make that boilerplate so you can flow out the words and stuff like that. So like the same thing, ocean could be like the same email goes out. It could be like, I don't know, like save rabbits and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like the same like- James. Lower taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody does that one. But I'm like more on a personalized level because then what you're doing is is you're hooking them and the right word used is manipulating uh, people to um, uh, believe in that, right? That's what I would do. So, Eddie Benes, I would not want to bet against you on pretty much anything. If you were gonna, if you were gonna place a bet, chances are I want to be betting on the same side. If you do start a hedge fund, I'm investing in it. Thanks. Uh, are you allowed to say what football team you're working for? Yeah, Miami Dolphins. So next season? Yes. Uh, or next year or whatever. Yep. Um, and you're already working with them now? Uh, yeah. So they're giving you all the data, all the data from the sensors, from their players? Do they give you like previous data? Uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're helping them out. Uh, they're giving us data and what they have, and then we're just trying to find patterns in it. And then are you looking for help, help them with the draft too? Um, or trades? I would say that a team building is a is is one of the objectives. Yeah. All right. Excellent, Eddie. Uh, Eddie, thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> this is so interesting. All the different things and and who knows what's behind the scenes uh, on on all this stuff is very is very interesting. Thank you very much, James. Thanks, Eddie. Bye.